want to say, you know, thank you so much for honoring my five years of being here at Valley Real Life this last week. You know, that, uh, that meant a lot. You know, I, I can't believe how, how quickly the time has gone. And at the same time, in COVID years, it feels like it's been 30 years, you know, along those lines. Now, last week, Kenny Malgren spoke for his first time. Didn't he do a good job? He did an amazing job. And uh, he mentioned uh, our kind of competitive spirit and he talked about how his uh, golf game gets better when he plays me. I just want you, if you get a chance and you see Kenny, or if you're watching online and you want to text Kenny, even right now, just ask him who owes who coffee from uh, this last week's golf game. So just ask him, you know, um, uh, just, just kind of keep throwing that out there. It is incredible to be back. You know, it's incredible to see some of you who are here and the rest of you, you know, who are watching, you know, online. In fact, I'm going to ask those of you online to do something that we haven't really pushed very often which is to engage in what we call our chat. Now, if you're on Facebook, you know, or if you're on our website, there is a chat feature that is really easy to put some comments or things in there. And I'm gonna ask you, as we continue to go along, to throw some things on there. Here's the first thing. If you're watching online, where are you watching from? Whether it be Liberty Lake or Post Falls or Spokane or Seattle or Texas or the Philippines, just quickly put, this is where I'm watching from. We just love to see where you're engaging with us from. Our online campus is not the only one watching. O-Town, I love to see ya. Otis Orchards, let's give a shout out to Otis Orchards. Can we do that? Love you guys. God's working there. Freeman, Freeman, I know you are there. Let's give a shout out to Freeman. Excited, you know, for you as well. Glad that you are here. Today, we're kicking off this four-week series that we're calling Focus. Now, everyone is focused on something, even if it's not very long for my ADD and ADHD friends, okay? There's still a chance to focus for a period of time. Now, parents, how often have you tried to get a child's attention when they're watching something, playing with something, or interacting with someone, and yet you cannot, for the life of you, get their attention, Students, children, how often have you asked your mom or dad for their attention and they're looking at their smartphone, hanging out with their friends, talking on their phone, and they're not paying attention to you, right? This is happening all over the place. See, what we focus on is absolutely key. Whatever we focus on will bring life or it'll bring stress. It'll bring peace or it's going to bring pain. You don't believe me? Just check out this video when maybe you should be focused on one thing, but you find yourself focusing on your cell phone or not paying as much attention as you should. It can be physically pretty painful. Take a look at this. I love the one walking into the elevator. I don't know why that one gets me every single time. Now, I want to take a second. I want to put reality on the table and have a heart-to-heart for the remaining time that we have together. 
Uh, there have been and continue to be things that are going on that takes a lot of our focus, doesn't it? Schools not being in session. Where are we gonna get childcare? How are we gonna be able to pay for this? I don't wanna homeschool again, and that's on both ends. Sports and activities not taking place until the spring. Affects not only high schools, but as you recently heard, colleges and universities, whether it be our beloved Huskies or Cougs or even Gonzaga, that it's already beginning to impact. The economy and how that is affecting so many lives or is going to in the months ahead. COVID and the health of our friends and family members. Masks or no masks have been a subject of great focus when it comes to our specific culture. The election that is coming up and the politics in our state and country and the list goes on and on. These are all major things that we are going to or are dealing with that can occupy our hearts and mind and take our focus. So let's be honest. What are you currently focused on? What would your friends or family members or your social media page say that is occupying your focus? In fact, again, if you're watching on the chat, I want you to put that down. What would you or someone else say that you are currently focused on? Because here's what I need you to understand. What we focus on gets amplified. What we focus on gets amplified. What we focus on, it it consumes us, it expands. The more we focus on something, the more it takes occupancy in our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Another way to say this is what you don't give attention to shrinks in your life. What you don't give attention to shrinks. So what are you focused on and is it bringing life or is it causing pain, suffering, and anxiety? Now, we don't wanna be people that bury our head in the sand and don't deal with the reality of situations that we're facing right now, but does it occupy the primary focus of our lives? And if you happen to be a follower of Jesus, we will either focus on his mission or we will focus on our misery. That's just the reality of where we're at. There's, there's no in-between in this season. Yeah, and you know the story of, of Peter, right? Walking on water. It, there's the storm that's brewing. The expert fishermen feel like they're going to die and they look out and they see Jesus is walking on water and, and he gets closer and they're deathly even more afraid now than ever before. And Jesus calms and down and says, hey, it's me. Peter says, Jesus, if it is you, tell me to come walk on water with you. So Jesus says, all right, come on. So Peter's like, all right, you know, I just imagine, imagine Kenny would be the only one who would actually be like, yeah, let's do this. Callous your mind. Let's go, you know? Yeah. And so, so there's Kenny or Peter, you know, stepping out and he's walking on water. His focus is on Jesus. But then he takes his focus off Jesus to deal with the reality of the storm of the wind and the waves around him. And he immediately sinks. Guys, we are in a storm in our lives, and we will either focus on Jesus, on the one who can calm the storm internally in our lives, or we will focus on all the things that are going wrong in and around our lives. Where is your focus? Because I want to be honest, I am Peter. It's so easy to focus on COVID, masks, no masks, politicians, Lack of freedom, lack of schools, and we have to deal with those things. But for goodness sake, the storm is blowing. How can we not focus on that? But we have to focus on Jesus. Amen? In fact, if you're watching on the chat, put an amen in there. It's something that you agree with. See, our vision 
is to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. Our mission is to be and make disciples of Christ. That should be an occupier focus. Now, where did we get this from? This is our Sunday school answer. Jesus. He's the one that modeled this and taught it by his life. He's the one who lived this purpose. And in fact, you might remember the story where Jesus is walking along the road. All these crowds are pressing in upon him. And there's this wee little man. This wee little man was he and his name was Zacchaeus. And he climbed up a sycamore tree just so that he could see. And he saw Jesus coming down the road. And here comes Jesus. And he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today to the, go- to the gasp of everybody else around. Why? Because he's a tax collector. He is a notorious sinner. I mean, there's sinners and then there's tax collectors. It was like the worst of the worst. And Jesus had to remind everybody around in verse 10 of Luke chapter 19. For the Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. That was his focus. And regardless of what took place, that was going to remain his focus. No matter what everybody else was focused on, he said, this is the reason that I have come. There's another instance. And if you've watched, you know, the series, maybe uh, The Chosen, if you've not seen that, you know, uh, uh, TV movie kind of series, I highly, highly recommend it. You get to meet Matthew, another tax collector. And, And Jesus hanging out with him and his pals, I mean, what is this Jesus guy? Who is he really hanging out with? Doesn't he know where he should be during this season and this time? And this is what happens in verse 16 of Mark chapter 2. But when the teachers of the religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, you know, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. Jesus was focused. See, people wanted Jesus to heal everyone. Do you notice that Jesus didn't heal everyone? And they're like, well, Jesus, if you really care, your focus should be on healing people, but he didn't. Did he heal? Yes. Uh, What about those who wanted Jesus to overthrow Rome? Right? That was the, the storm of the day. They're like, we gotta, we got to get these occupiers out of here. Judas being one of those people. Now, did Jesus care about that? Absolutely. Was that his focus? No. His focus was always to come back to remind people, I have come to draw people far from God back to him. And those who would follow after Jesus who followed Jesus and knew Jesus. In fact, one of the guys is named Paul. Paul, you might remember, wrote most of our New Testament. And Paul lived his life with this single goal, this single focus to share the good news with the Gentile world, all those who are non-Jewish people. He was so focused on this mission, he would even write to the churches, like a church in a city called Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 to 22, he says, even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave, he says. That's how focused he is, to all people to bring as many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, this is what I did. I, I lived 
Like a Jew, in order to bring the Jews to Christ, when I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law, even though I'm not subject to the law. I did this so that I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, guess what I do? I too live apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of Christ. I obey the law. When I am with those who are weak, I share in their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything that I can to save some. He did all these things to focus his life on sharing Christ with others. And what did it get him? His freedom was taken away, he was beaten, shipwrecked, stoned, left for dead, and the list goes on and on. Notice what Paul didn't do. He didn't focus on his circumstances. He focused on his mission. Now, you don't hear about the writings like, man, wish you'd come visit me because this jail cell, it's not the Four Seasons. This food that I'm getting, awful stuff. Man, my back hurts. I've been so beaten. Where's the doctors? Isn't anybody caring for me? No, he never focused on his misery but one time when he said, you know what? There's this thorn. There's this thorn in the flesh. So God, can you take that away? And God looks at it and says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect actually in weakness. Later on in scripture, we read, when you're weak, then you're strong. Wow, that is a perspective. Why? Because there was a laser focus in Paul's life. Where did he get it from? He'd get it from Jesus. Because Jesus modeled and he showed him that in storms, in misery, in hard, difficult challenges, we're to remain focused on the mission at hand. Let me say this. It's a side note, but it's an important one. If you have misery in your life, it doesn't mean that you are off mission. If you are on mission, it doesn't mean that you won't have misery. This is going to take place in our lives. And what do we choose to focus on, our mission or our misery? Because what's funny is that misery can actually help us to clarify what our mission is. We can actually get more focused on the opportunities before us if we would just recognize what our focus should be. Let me give you just a couple examples. I met with a guy a number of weeks ago, and one of the things that he was really struggling with is that his business was not doing well. I totally understood it. He goes, financially, this has been one of the worst years. This has been awful. I don't have places to go to work. I'm stuck at home, you know, a, a lot of time. I'm not allowed to go anywhere. And I'm just really angry. He started getting more and more amped up as we began to talk. And there was so much focus on what was going on and very real pain and very hard, difficult times. And I just asked him, I said, hey, is there anything good going on? And he sat back and looked at me and he said, well, you know, my kids are at home too. And for some reason, our house has kind of become the house where their friends come over because they don't have anywhere to go either. And he goes, what's really interesting is that there are a lot of these friends of my kids, they don't have dads in their lives. And so I find myself kind of hanging out with them and a lot of them don't know Jesus. And I just sat back and I said, what will you choose to focus on from here? Because you're exactly right. Everything that you're facing with economic pressure, you know, and, and loss and COVID and mask and what you feel about the elections, all those are real. But do you realize what's been set before you that's never been set before you in your lifetime is you have availability and freedom to impact the next generation as a father figure and represent Jesus Christ. And he sat back, he goes, I 
I never thought about that. It's like, what an opportunity. And it's not going to last forever, but what an opportunity. This past week, I was with, you know, our high school students, and we were having a great time, uh, almost feeling normal at camp here at Valley Real Life. And it was on a Monday that the word came out that there would be school online only for most of the students who were there who attend in this region, in case you're watching from other locations. And you can just see the deflation take place because it's an unknown. Well, how long? Well, there's no end. There's no, like, well, it's going to be for sure in this time. And then as I talked to parents, there was tears. There were some volunteers who were here, teachers who were also crying as well. And it's overwhelming. And I just kind of grieved with them going, man, I I just wish we could provide some sense of normalcy. And and I went to bed that night, and I'm not kidding. I woke up about 2 a.m., and I couldn't wait to find our youth pastors, uh, Tyler and Eric, because it it hit me just like a bolt of lightning. Sat them down, and I said, I want you to think about something that, that I didn't realize before. I said, at this point in our history, Governor Inslee is allowing us to gather and for youth to gather for even up to 200 people. That's what's been approved of by the law as a worship service midweek. And we're like, think about this for just a second. There's no school face-to-face. There's no sports. There's no activities. There's no band practice. There's no movie theaters that are open. Can you imagine, and if you're a high school student or middle school student here right now, can you imagine whether you're watching online or at Otis or Freeman, can you imagine when you ask your non-Christian friend, hey, you want to go to youth group with me? What else are they going to (laughs) do? Right? That's just amazing. You're like, well, yeah, we've taken away all these things, but could it be for this next generation that this is the greatest opportunity to share and live the good news like never before? Depends on what we focus on, right? What will we choose to focus on? I don't know if you realize this or not, but you know, people are most open to accepting Christ through tragedy or transition. Think people might be open Or are we so focused on our own misery that we're not realizing the opportunity that is right before us? And we've got to deal with these things. I want to say that again. But there are opportunities to focus like never before. In fact, I want you to hear a testimony of a guy in our church who had some bad things that happened to him, some choices that he made, but he kept his focus on God and watched what God did in his life. My daughters were born in 95 and 98. I joined the Army in 2000, and I deployed to Iraq at the end of 2003. And then I came home in January of 2005. When I came back from Iraq, I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't function. I still had two kids that I had full custody of that I had to take care of, and, but it was hard. I couldn't become who I was before I left. I didn't want to admit that there was something wrong with me. I didn't want to admit that I was broken. I didn't want to admit that I needed help. Furthermore, I didn't want to accept or admit that I needed God's help. I really didn't follow God at all. I just went to church just to keep up the the image. My driver's license had been suspended. I ended up 
getting arrested in front of my children by a New York State trooper. What was relatively small was kind of blown up into this great big thing. I could have lost custody of my children. I could have been sent to jail, probably state prison for a couple of years. I never realized how God would work in, in a situation where I had no control. I couldn't control anything. But what I didn't realize is the whole time is God working behind the scenes. Every time I, my daughters had a doctor's appointment, every time one of my daughters got sick at school, or any time that a ride was needed for, for in care of the children, there was a ride provided. So when the state trooper put the handcuffs on me, I remember thinking, how can I get out of this and who can I blame? And I just kept hearing God say, I'm your defender, tell the truth. When it came time to actually see the judge, I didn't try to lie, I didn't try to blame, I didn't try to sweet talk. I just apologized and said I'd face whatever consequences came my way. And the judge said, Mr. Gross, do you know what you're facing? And I said, yes, your honor. He kind of leans back in his chair and he says, I have to tell you that I've never had so many phone calls on one person. He said, I've been called by New York state troopers, sheriff's deputies, sergeant majors in the army, colonels, first sergeants, local pastors. And he said, well, from everybody I've spoken to, you've done everything you've been asked to do. Case dismissed. The worst thing I've ever gone through, but the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Because through it, I found myself and I found God. And I was, from then on, I, I, I committed to following Jesus with, for my life, not just for my children. I wanted to follow him in my life. To have that happen and come out and, and, and find who God says I am, that he calls me his masterpiece, he calls me his son, and I found that he is our defender, he's our protector, he's our comfort. I would say that it's important for people to know that there is help. God's word says, come to me and I'll give you rest. And so the important thing is to just come to him. If you're angry, be angry. If you're broken, be broken. If you're hurt, destroyed, distraught, depressed, be, those, be, be that way and just enter into prayer. And if you would have told me back then what my life would be like today, I would have never believed it just being thankful and loving my life and and following what God's will has been for me. It's been amazing. It's been an unreal ride. He had to make a choice. Will he focus on his misery? Will he focus on the God who's over all, in all, and through all? And we have that same choice before us. But it is a choice that I know for myself I have to make daily. Because I get wrapped up. As soon as I start watching that news and as soon as I start talking to somebody else and I start walking through social media, it is so easy for me to get wrapped up and that derail my entire day because I'm not focused on the mission at hand. So let's take time to refocus on those not yet connected to Jesus. How do we do this? How do we practically do this? I'm gonna give you three ways, simple. You've heard it before, but the question is not, do we know it? Are we practicing it? Here's the first one. Will you commit to praying regularly? Will you pray regularly? What we focus on gets amplified. Uh, we have an opportunity 
you know, every single week to pray for someone that God has put in our sphere of influence who does not yet know Jesus. And when you start praying for that, you start thinking, you start dwelling, you start focusing, and it's amazing what begins to happen in that person's life and in your life. In fact, we have a tradition here at Valley Real Life that every year uh, we paint over our baptistry in case those of you have never been on our site. We, we do this you know, here at Barker, we do it at Otis, and Brad has something for you at Freeman as well. And this is the weekend where we paint over it once again. And we get a chance after services to write names of people that we're praying for on our baptistry. And what happens, and that we hope that happens, is every time you see, you know, uh, online or on-site someone get baptized, you are reminded of the person that you're praying for. That every single week, it's a constant refocusing on the purpose in which we exist as a church and that you are put here. Somebody reached out to you and shared the good news to you, and it's our responsibility and opportunity to share that with others. Will we pray for those people regularly? Secondly, Can we connect consistently? Can we connect consistently? We're gonna talk a lot more about this next week when it talks about being in relationship, but you and I have specific opportunities to engage and connect in other people's lives. There are hard circumstances that might have created those opportunities, whether it be health issues and you're at the doctor's office, you're at home a little bit more, and now you're seeing your neighbors more. Now you're seeing other people that you don't normally see. Do you intentionally take the next step and engage to connect consistently? Lastly, we pray, we connect, and we need to serve opportunistically. Serve opportunistically. In this season, there are so many opportunities to meet practical needs in people's lives. To walk alongside, say, not only how can I pray for you, but hey, you're going back to school. How can I help watch your kids? How can I help with groceries? Hey, I know that you actually have COVID. How can I then support you? Can I mow your lawn? You know, can I help you in school? Can I help you with homework? There's so many opportunities that's right before us. If we would stop focusing on our own misery and understand that the mission is right before us. Now, maybe more than ever. So will we pray? Regularly connect consistently and serve opportunistically as we close. And as we refocus on the mission instead of our misery, who is one person, just one, in your life that doesn't yet know Jesus that you will pray, connect, and serve this week? Who is that person? And I'm gonna encourage those of you who are on a campus, whether it be at Barker or Otis or Freeman, that after service to write that name down on a baptistry or where Brad has it, those of you who are watching online, can you put that person's name, just their first name, in the chat so that other people can join you in your commitment this week? We have the opportunity that God has given us. It is a hard season, which is why we've got to take these next four weeks to refocus and say, this is why we're here. Lord, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to remain focused on you. And Father, if we've not remained focused and we get caught up in our misery, I pray that you would allow us to just think of that one person in our lives that you want to use us to reach out to. So Father, I pray you would allow us to this week pray for them, Lord, to connect with them and to serve them. Lord, we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.